The Golf Unfiltered Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Coghill Golf and Country Club, who we are happy and proud to partner with once again this year. Coghill features 72 holes of championship golf, including the world-famous Dubs Dread. They have a completely renovated practice area and driving range. It's essentially an academy that you can go and spend not only the day improving your game, but at night they've got lights now and two bars as well as a food truck to spend some quality time with some friends and family. They've been doing it this way since 1927, folks. Go out to coghillgolf.com to learn more. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Sharp Focus Nutrition. Let's face it, when you go out and play golf, you probably don't eat and drink very well. Well, a couple hot dogs, a few beers, yeah, we get it. Sharp Focus Nutrition replaces all of that with a systematic way to not only stay replenished throughout your round, but to also improve your game in doing so. Go out to sharpfocusnutrition.com to learn about their system. Let them know that we sent you. Pick up a system right now. Sharpfocusnutrition.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. Welcome back, everyone, to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Fonseca from GolfUnfiltered.com. And joining me today is a very special guest, Mr. Uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Mo Pickens. Uh, doctor, thanks so much for coming on. I'm really excited to talk to you about uh, the mental side of the game to kind of fit in with the ongoing theme on our show this month in April, all related to health and wellness. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, thanks so much for being on the show here, doctor. And, you know, first and foremost, there's a mountain of things that we can talk about related to the mental side of the game, as I'm sure you know. But uh, before we get into that, why don't you let our listeners know a little bit about your background and how you got uh, started with what you do? Yeah, so uh, I guess I just feel very blessed in the sense of I was 17 years old and I'm watching this guy on TV. It's kind of like a documentary. He calls himself a sports psychologist. Um, He's basically working with the NBA team, the Utah Jazz, and he's just hanging out in the gym with Malone and Stockton back in the day. This was the late 80s. And Mm -hmm. uh, they're shooting some free throws, and then they they show this guy, and he gets on a private plane, and they fly from Salt Lake to the Forum to play the Lakers. And then they show the game, and this guy's literally sitting on the first row right behind the bench, eating popcorn and drinking a Coke. And I'm thinking, they're paying this guy? This is ridiculous. (laughs) And so that's – I thought that that looked like a dream job to me. And uh, for the most part, it has been. I've um, had a lot of fun in it and still enjoy it very much. But uh, so, yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. It's just a kid watching TV and in high school and kind of like, oh, I think I want to go do that. So well, that's that's just as good a reason as any to get started. I mean, honestly. Yeah. And, and so your career has taken you to a lot of interesting places, I understand, including on the PGA Tour where you've worked with what over 25 pga tour winners do i have that right well uh they've won over 25 times it wouldn't be 25 winners but uh i've had guys win 29 events uh 
currently um, since about, uh, I guess, the first win that I had uh, with a, helping a guy on tour was 2005. Uh, Lucas Glover won what it, uh, at the time was Disney. Now that, that tournament, uh, I don't know if it's back in somewhere else, uh, but it doesn't feel like um, Disney. But, yeah, so he, he made a, a bunker shot in 2005 on the 72nd hole to win. And uh, so that was a pretty fun way to get started. And I've uh, been going ever since. And the most recent win is uh, Keegan Bradley won uh, the Zozo Championships uh, back in the fall of uh, last year, 2022. So. Yeah, you've worked with some big names. Uh, you know, uh, Keegan Bradley, you had mentioned, Lucas Glover, Zach Johnson, and other names. Uh, Stuart Sink, I believe, is another. You've got a pretty yeah. good client list in, in the past. How did you get involved in the professional side of the game? Uh, well, I mean, I think um, maybe the way most people do, you just you get a good break. And so I was working with uh, Charles Warren and Lucas Glover, and they're both at the time were on the either the Nationwide or the Nike or whatever it was back then. And uh, so this would have been the early 2000s. And uh, they got out on tour in either 04 or 05. And then so then um, I'm traveling with them a little bit. And you meet other guys like I met Zach Johnson um, in practice rounds with them. Basically, like in 05, we started working together in 06. Uh, and then he won um, the Masters, obviously, in 2007. And so, you know, people think you, you instantly become um, – you know, brighter overnight when you, when one of your guys uh, wins a major. And so uh, that was a big break, obviously. And um, I've continued to work with Zach ever since then. And uh, he's had a great career and, and been a great kind of ambassador for me. And um, so that was really kind of how it started was with Charles Warren and Lucas Glover and then, and then Zach in 2006, seven. So I've always been interested in, so when something big like that happens, when one of your players wins a major, for example, does yeah. your stock just go through the roof? Yeah, to some degree, yeah. In the sense yeah. that uh, the player's getting more attention, and so you're just kind of swept up in that. And then mm -hmm. especially, you know, the tours are traveling circus, and everybody kind of knows everybody. And then so uh, that's when things get – um, you get more attention or, or people start looking into what that player is doing. And mm -hmm. so uh, that, that definitely happens. Like Lucas Glover uh, and Stuart Sink won the U.S. Open and then the Open Championship back-to-back -back in 2009, and I was working mm -hmm. with both of them. And so, you know, not surprisingly, I had more people um, inquire about what I do and uh, potentially want to work with me, you know, later in 2009, 2010, uh, that sort of thing. So, and, and as you go along in this business of just coaching tour players, you, you know, you're going to get hired and you're going to get fired. Um, and so it's all part of the business, but yeah, um, you, you kind of get kept, you kind of get swept up in what's happening to the player. So mm -hmm. that makes sense. And, and I would imagine that first meeting with a player, a potential client, uh, does that follow a, a, similar cadence or are there similar questions that are being asked of you when you meet with players or does everyone have kind of their own little specific thing they want to work on? Well, a lot of guys have um, something specific that they're struggling with, which is why they would come to you. Um, the only person that I would say is really wasn't struggling at all was Zach. Uh, we started working together in the summer of 2006. Uh, he had already had I believe it was four top fives 
in the first half of uh, 2006, I proceeded to help him not have another top 10 for nine months. So, <laughs> so I was lucky I didn't get fired, but he knew we were changing some things and, and he just knew if he wanted to get to kind of uh, the level that he wanted to get to, he had never really investigated the mental side and, and what that meant. And, and a lot of players, um, you know, start off the same way and everybody starts off in the physical realm. And then maybe in, from the physical realm, you look into training and, and you look into clubs and you're kind of rising through the ranks. And then at some point you realize, OK, hey, maybe uh, my mental game. Now, that's a very broad topic, but um, sure. it could be your pre-shot routines. It could be your acceptance of shots. It could be your your course management, your game planning. It, it could be a lot of things um, because all these guys that get on tour, I mean, they know how to play golf, but mm -hmm. it, it, it can be different playing golf and then managing golf as a career. Uh, mm. So that's where you get a lot of, you know, younger guys who are 23, 24, uh, really um, excel at the game of golf, uh, but are just learning how to run their own company and, and manage their career. So like right now, uh, working with Davis Thompson, who's a fabulous mm. young player, played on the Walker Cup, great career at Georgia, uh, one year on the Corn Ferry, one out there, and then um, is off to a good start in his PGA um, career. But mm -hmm. what he has to navigate and, and what he knows relative to a Zach Johnson uh, about his game and about managing his career is totally different. And so, um, you know, so but you, you generally start with uh, I have a foundation of kind of where I believe a score comes from and, and how you manage a score. And that comes from your own course thinking. It comes from your practice and prep. It, it comes from your off course foundation. So all of these, but each guy might be struggling with a different piece of that where, um, you know, one guy's struggling with really how to set up a week of practice and prep and uh, how to do that on the PGA tour when he's, you know, not that long out of college where all that was set up for him. Mm -hmm. um, and another guy's coming to you just cause he gets really uh, technical after he starts missing a few shots and he knows that's not helpful, but he doesn't know how to, basically get out of that thinking pattern that he's evolved into where every time he starts swinging poor, he gets too technical. And so, um, so it's different in the sense of no two players are alike for sure. And nor do they need to be, but it's similar in the, in the kind of holistic view I take of it. And it's like, we're, every guy has, you know, over a thousand piece puzzle that is professional golf. And I'm just trying to help them get the, the pieces in the right place. So it sounds like it's not too different from golfers like you and me when we go out and we make mistakes and we start to maybe get too technical to use that example. I mean, do you right. kind of see some of the same stuff between amateurs and pros? Oh, for sure. I mean, amateurs and pros um, struggle with a lot of the same um, issues, if you want to call it that. Um, mm -hmm. They can hit the ball better. They can putt better. They can do some of those things that have helped them get to that level, but they get nervous on the first tee. Um, they get ticked off when they three putt from 20 feet, you know? Uh, right. So it, there's more things similar between, you know, especially high level amateur golf and pro golf than there are different, you know? Um, and, you know, good thinking is good thinking. And that's why, mm -hmm. you know, I believe that I can help, you know, a 12 year old who's getting into golf and, um, you know, wants to get better and I could help, you know, a, a top 10 player in the world. Obviously the way we 
communicate would be different and that the topics might be a little bit different, but, you know, picking a specific target, you can teach that to a 12 year old and you can teach that to a tour veteran and how they go about it and how they use their vision. And um, so, yeah, there, there are more things in common than there are unique. That's encouraging, actually, because, <laughs> you know, when we watch these guys on uh, these these pros on TV, I mean, it almost seems like they're robotic in some way. You know, it's like, oh, do they ever get nervous? And and it's almost as if um, and maybe uh, to get your opinion on this too, the the old phrase of he had ice in his veins or something. Right. I mean, that's that's not how humans typically work, I would say. No, no. And th- they're just better at hiding um, mm. the nervousness maybe, uh, and they have been there more often and, and maybe it's a little bit different, you know, so if they've been in the situation of quote, um, you know, having to make a putt to win a match and, you know, right now the match play is going on and later this year we got the Ryder cup and, um, that's no different than, you know, wanting to make a putt to win a match against your buddies. I mean, mm-hmm. it's different in the sense that, you know, way more people are going to see it and then it's on TV and that can add kind of extra layers. But at, at its most basic level, um, you know, a tour, pro, a tour pro has a five foot putt that he really wants to make. And how does he manage his mind? And, you know, a guy in the club championship has a five foot putt that he really wants to make. And how does he manage his mind? And so, um, you know, the process that I would be teaching them would be pretty much identical in terms of how they want to think about it. So it appears that they have ice in their veins, but that's not the case. Every guy that steps up on the first tee at Augusta uh, in a few weeks, um, they'll have some butterflies going. And they're doing, they're doing some things to manage it in terms of their breathing and how they go about it. And, and so it, maybe they've thought about it a little bit more uh, than an amateur player, and, they, and they've worked on it. But uh, the feelings are virtually the same. Golf Unfiltered is proud to partner once again with Mizuno Golf for 2023. Mizuno Golf is offering their new JPX 923 irons, and if you haven't heard about these yet, go out to our YouTube channel and see a full fitting that I do with Mizuno at Coghill Golf and Country Club. These irons are spectacular. They've got three medals, five different options of irons spanning the player's spectrum, so you are for sure going to find something great for your game. Go out to MizunoUSA.com today to learn more. So maybe let's dive in a little bit into some of the, the techniques, perhaps from a okay. mental standpoint that golfers listening to this could could benefit from based on what you teach. And I should say, listeners, that uh, Dr. Mo's uh, website is drmolearntowin.com. You can go out there and certainly learn all about Dr. Mo as well as what he teaches. But you had said a few moments ago that good thinking is good thinking is maybe expand right. a little bit on that. Yeah. So um, what I mean by that, good thinking is that um, if we just take one aspect of kind of this holistic view, so you have on course thinking, you have practice and prep and you have off course. But if we just take the on course part and and what your thinking process is going to be on the course and everybody has heard the phrase one shot at a time. Mm -hmm. But if you ask people what that means, they just keep repeating, you know, other phrases such as, well, stay in the moment and don't think ahead. And they give you one cliche after another, but I believe you can teach that. And I believe you can think about that where, okay, Hey, there are things I can actually do. So a very specific example would be uh, you're faced with a five foot putt. And so a lot of times I'll ask people, 
So I'd say, hey, Adam, how do you feel about a five-foot putt? I'd say, well, I feel, you know, I feel pretty good. I'd say, okay, well, how about if you hit a, a really good tough bunker shot at five feet? And maybe you feel, you know, better about that. And then I'd say, how about if you hit a, a five iron out of the trees over water to five? You'd feel fabulous, right? But if you had an eight-foot putt downhill and you ran it five feet by, you'd feel pretty lousy. But the way you feel is based on how the ball got there. And it makes no difference because that five-foot putt is still the same five-foot putt. And, and I would teach players to describe that putt like a computer would. So a computer would say, this is five feet downhill, left to right, distance, slope, and break, right? Not the way we hear on TV. On TV, they would say five feet for birdie to go two under, to stay one inside the cut line so he can you know, really get his career started. I mean, they keep adding drama in these small mm. phrases because what they want to do is they want to keep you watching golf and not switch it to basketball or some other TV show, right? Right. But but what we want to do is we want to talk to ourselves um, in a way that doesn't add drama, that keeps it very computer-like. And so, you know, that would be a very specific example for listeners that they could take and start doing tomorrow is when you're facing a putt, before you walk in to hit that putt, tell yourself the distance, slope, and break, and don't get caught up in all the kind of emotion and the um, kind of emotional talk, as, as I would describe it, um, like we hear on TV. So that's so uh, as you were describing that, and that, that's excellent advice. I want to go out to the golf course right now and, and try that myself. Um, <laughs> It, people often say that golf is really the perfect imitation of life. Mm -hmm. And when you were, what you were just describing uh, made me think of, all right, well, whatever your circumstance is, however you got to where you are, right. is comprised of everything that came before it. Would it be accurate for me to say then it's the parallel is to forget about the negative things that happened. Just focus on what you have in front of you right now. Or even the positive things that have happened. Mm -hmm. I, I would just say forget about everything that kind of got you to that point. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. maybe there's some positive vibes because you hit a great shot or, or you hit a, a great you know, chip shot. But I would say really what you're trying to do is you're trying to take each shot in isolation from every other shot, right? Mm -hmm. and, and if you can do that, then you can learn how to play one shot at a time. And, and you don't have the emotion tied to it. I mean, that's one of the things that Zach has been great at over his career is he's phenomenal at not hitting shots with the emotion that came before it, whether it's a great mm. shot, whether it's a poor putt, it's just, okay, this is what I got. You know, I got a 20 foot putt or I got a 104 yard wedge. And it doesn't matter if this 104 yard wedge is after a great tee ball or after I had to punch out from the woods, I still got a 104 yard wedge shot and, and he was uh, probably the best player that I've ever worked with in terms of just kind of emptying the emotion out before he mm -hmm. walked into a shot and then hitting that shot as if he were on the putting green or on the range. Now, the way you get those to be similar is you got to add some of that pressure when you're on the putting green and when you're on the range mm -hmm. and you got to kind of get that to, to be more pressurized than it normally would be so that when you're on the course, you can kind of lower that so that you're the same person on the range as you are on the course. You're the same person as you are at your home course 
and when you go to an event, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of amateurs struggle is the, the, the format that they practice in or that they play a practice round in doesn't have enough pressure. And so it's always a new thing when they get under pressure. And that's not what the best players in the world are doing when they're trying to simulate, um, you know, competitive environments. That's interesting because I know that um, I often joke with my friends that we come out here to do this thing for entertainment and for fun. Mm-hmm. And we get so angry with one another and at ourselves when we don't perform the way that we expect to. And we only go and play once a week. So, you know, how can we expect to do that? But you're talking about adding in order to improve and to, to kind of train ourselves to add little elements of pressure into our routines. Uh, what are some other yeah. ways that perhaps listeners can can do that? Well, so one way you could do it. So let's just say that some of your amateurs are going to play in tournaments and, and in tournaments, everybody eventually has to make some kind of short putts, three, four, five, six feet. And so you want to make sure not only do you just not give yourself those when you're playing with your buddies, but we do a game called confirm. And so confirm is any putt hmm. that you make from three to nine feet, you have to confirm it or make it again to keep that score. And so if you made a five footer for a four, you, you would leave your mark right beside where the ball is in this game. So you know exactly where you put it from. And then you would hit that five footer again. If you make it, you've confirmed your four and that's your score. But if you miss it, you get a five. And so because what oh, that wow. does is you, you've already had a good result. Right. You know, you can do this. But now there's, quote, pressure to make it again. And that's what I want to simulate, because the hardest thing for me to simulate for players is how they feel in competition. But this Mm. can can help us do that because they've already had a good result. I've taken that good result away. They know they want to do that again. Can they actually get rid of that in their mind and just focus on executing their pre-shot routine? Because of one of the biggest concepts that I talk about with players is letting their routine hit the shot for them. Uh, I want them involved in the decision-making and what I refer to as refocusing. Um, so I want them involved in their decision-making, but I really want to take them out of it once they start their routine so that the routine just hits the shot for them. Like Stuart Sink used to tell me, you know, Hey, once I do all the thinking and I start walking, I'm done. And all I do is just let the routine kind of go. And then the routine will either make this six foot putt or it won't. This routine will either hit the fairway or it won't. Um, But so that can be a good way for listeners to kind of remove themselves from the emotion of the moment. And just obviously this assumes that you've built a good routine that you trust. Right. And, and, but you have to do that. But once you have that, then it's, it's a matter of, Hey, go make a decision. So this is the process that I teach players. Make a decision. That's called refocusing. Go through your routine. That's your preparation to hit the shot. Then you're going to react and make a swing. And then once the ball is gone, we're going to relax in between shots. And so you're just doing this process over and over. Refocus, routine, react, relax. Refocus again. Next routine, react, relax again. Um, And interestingly, you know, the vast majority of your time on a golf course should be spent relaxing in between shots. And you don't need to be thinking about golf. You need to be looking at the wildlife or telling jokes with your buddies or just having fun. And then when you get around the ball, that's where you want to focus. But you don't need to be thinking about golf for four to four and a half hours. That's not going to be productive because you really don't know what you have until you get on top of the ball and you can see the lie anyway. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's, uh, you know, what you just said, I think, will be very eye-opening to a lot of listeners, you know, because even speaking for myself, going out and, you're, you know, I'm a, I'm a nine handicap. And so I'm okay. at that point where I know I can score well. And when I don't play yeah. well, my my round that I just paid for and dedicated hours <laughs> to suddenly yep. goes to the negative. And I know that that's not the way I, I'm, I'm doing this for fun. And so, like you just said, spending most of my round appreciating that I'm out there with friends right. in a very beautiful place that's really the focus if I understand you right. Yeah. And and the, and the way we would even describe it is you can have different, like, Hey, we're just going to go have a fun day. And then, you know, I got to keep up with the ball. They will see how many times I've hit the ball and then we'll put it to bed and then I'll go out the next day and try it again. But that's really, um, so if, if a stroll in the park works for you, then that's great. If it's like, Hey, a day at the beach, and I'm, I'm just pretending like I'm having a great day at the beach and we're surfing and having fun and partying. And and then, yeah, there are small times for basically 45 seconds to a minute where I'm going to focus. But but other than that, uh, I'm just out here enjoying myself. That's that's what I would want listeners to really focus on um, in terms of their time management of managing their own thinking. Hmm. That is so. an important, important phrase, what you just said, for sure. Well, and once again, listeners, we're talking to Dr. Mo Pickens. You can go out to his website, drmolearntowin.com. And Dr. Mo, I mean, you've worked with so many people uh, at the highest levels. Uh, would you, are there one or two players that you feel really maximize their game from a mental standpoint? Uh, could you say that last, could you say that part again? Head up. Sure. So are there, uh, would you say that there's a golfer that comes to mind who really maximizes their game from a mental standpoint? I mean, we, we talk about, we think about Tiger who he's just so locked in and in the zone, but are there other players that you've worked with who really exemplify what you you teach? Uh, well, yeah, I think, I mean, I think Zach for sure, um, mm-hmm. you know, maximize his game in terms of, uh, you know, he didn't hit it as far or as high as some other players. And that can, um, you know, become a difficult thing when you're playing longer courses or you're playing majors and uh, things like that. Um, you know, I, I think there's different elements that go into it. Stuart Sink is maybe the most professional person I've ever worked with in terms of how he views it. And he has a, a great perspective on the game. Um, you know, and even current players that I don't work with, I mean, um, you know, Scotty Scheffler, obviously he's very talented and, and he does hit it a long way, but, you know, he, he does a lot of things to maximize his game in terms of, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago down at uh, TPC and it was maybe the first day Monday and, and he was out on the back green just practicing and, and really putting in some hard work. So it's not just he's super talented and he shows up. I mean, that guy puts in a ton of great work. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he has a great perspective on golf and, and it's his career and he's going to have good days and he's going to have bad days. And um, so, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of guys who, um, you know, maximize their game, but they might do it in different ways. It doesn't mean that that every guy who's maximizing their game is just not that talented and, and he's getting the most out of it, which is the way a lot of people think. But it, um, there's different ways to kind of, you know, 
maximize your game uh, in terms of how you go about it. Um, you know, and, and a guy who's has a lot of firepower and, and has an explosive game, then it wouldn't be good for him to kind of play tentative and, 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 you know, always play conservative because that's not going to be how he can maximize his game. You mm-hmm. know, um, you know, Keegan Bradley's probably the best ball striker that I've ever worked with. And so Keegan's really good at just kind of picking his way uh, through a golf course and mm-hmm. plays a lot of high percentage shots. Um, um, even though he knows he can pull off a lot of shots because it, it just, his game has given himself more opportunities. The thing that's helped him out, he's become a much better putter in the last couple of years. And so you've seen him on the top of the leaderboards more often um, because he's just a tactician around the golf course and he can kind of pick apart a golf course. And so, you know, he plays into that and he doesn't take a lot of risk because he doesn't need to take a lot of risk. He needs to give himself as many opportunities now that he's a better putter um, and, and he can kind of minimize um, his high score for sure. So, and he's a player, um, that I think when people observe him on television, we would make the judgment that, oh, he seems nervous, but right. in reality, everything that you just said holds true. I mean, the results speak for themselves. So maybe, you know, right. not to use a cliche, but don't judge a book, I guess. Yeah. And, and he is, um, nervous because they're all nervous. Right. right. And, and he is, definitely a little antsy in terms of uh kind of some of his movements and and kind of how he goes about some things but if you watch keegan now and you really pay attention it does take him sometimes a while to get set but once he walks in his routines are very consistent and he's worked really hard on that um so whereas it might take him uh longer to walk in um the one thing that keegan's really made a a commitment to is being more committed before he walks in. And so mm-hmm. what you won't see is him taking more time or, or being inconsistent once he gets over the ball. Like once he decides where he's going to hit a putt and it might take him a while to really commit to his line, but once he figures out, okay, this is where I'm going to hit it. He's very efficient at doing the routine and, and letting that routine hit the shot for him versus say maybe five years ago where then uh, more of that fidgeting would come out over the ball, uh, which is not helpful in the way we right. talk about it. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we've just scratched the surface listeners on this topic. I know there's a ton of other things that we could discuss. And Dr. Mo, I mean, if you're up for it, maybe uh, we'll have you back on uh, to talk about additional topics. But in the meantime, listeners, go out to drmolearntowin.com. You can learn all about Dr. Mo's back as well as uh, how he could potentially help you with your game. Uh, and Dr. Mo, um, we have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of, of uh, teams and, and collegiate golfers and, and even golf yep. course managers that listen to this show. So uh, hopefully, listeners, if you're paying attention, Dr. Mo shared a lot of great nuggets there. So thanks so much for coming yeah. on and uh, sharing those. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you go to the website, what I would say is uh, when you get into the website, there's a, a thing called the Score Better Video Program, which is basically a program that I came up with during COVID as a way to kind of help my guys and, and so that they could have something that they could look at. And so I turned it into a program. And so really what it is, is just kind of short videos, anywhere from five to eight minutes about selected topics. You get the first month free. So there's no reason not to just go in there, check it out. 
Um, and then if you like it, continue on. And then if you don't, you've, uh, you know, you've seen five or six good videos that can help you with your game. And, you know, it's only cost you about 30 minutes of your time. So, but I appreciate being on the show and yeah, hopefully we can do it again. 